Forecast from Met Service to midnight tomorrow. Look at the lumpy bits of red there. Those were heavy enough and intense enough to provide some hail as they move through parts of Auckland this morning. A high of 11 degrees, overnight down to 3. It's 5 degrees right now on News Talk ZB. It's on the news. Here, everyone. I'm NIWA meteorologist Seth Carrier. Let's take a look at the forecast around New Zealand during the day on Tuesday, and after that, we'll preview Wednesday and Thursday. Well, it's even going on right outside your window. Hell! Here in Aotearoa, a tiny island at the bottom of the Pacific, the weather can be a bit hard to predict. But when it comes to our weather forecasters, the winds of change have been blowing for a long time. Today the government announced a review of Aotearoa's forecasting system. For years, Met Service and Niwa have competed for forecasting contracts, and there are some areas where their roles now overlap. It's about getting the best structure to have the best forecasting and climate system we can. And the problem isn't just bureaucratic waste. There's not a place in New Zealand for the government to have two weather forecasters that are competing with each other. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's public safety and climate change too. As more extreme weather hits our shores, reliable forecasting's more important than ever. Good weather forecasting, good climate science has life and death impact. Kia ora, I'm Bonnie Harrison and today on The Detail, the wild history of our two competing state forecasters, Niwa and MetService, and why it's so tricky and important to get the weather right. Here is the weather report for the colony. Auckland. Captain Briggs of the schooner Josiah Higginbrace, which arrived at Port Nicholson from Auckland this morning, reports that the weather in the capital five days ago was agreeable enough. That's part of a colonial weather report from sometime in the 19th century. Though the atmosphere was a trifle humid, it was, he said, very sultry and overcast. We've been checking the weather forecast for a long time. Paul Gorman is a journalist and science writer. I started off and I trained at Met Service, yeah, 86 till 89, so I did three years then, but then became a journalist a few years later, so I've written a lot of stuff about the weather over the years, and a lot of science journalism as well, so this is an area I've kept quite a close eye on. It's taken, taken a while, really, but someone in government has sort of finally taken notice of this, this overlap that's developed between... Met Service, which is the the, the organisation that's actually sort of uh, charged with providing severe weather warnings and public forecasts, uh, and that's the World Meteorological Organisation that gives Met Service the licence to do that, um, and NIWA, which has sort of moved into the forecasting field uh, off its own bat about uh, nine, ten years ago, and. Yeah, there's been sort of slow, the slow encroachment onto Met Services patch, and even to the extent where uh, Niwa a couple of years ago won a contract uh, with Department of Conservation, which was a Met Service contract. So there's been you know direct competition between the two, and successive governments have not done a thing about this. There's been reviews too in the past, and they've just sort of been shelved. Um, so actually the review is, you know, really good. Um, there are some issues and, and the biggest issue I think really is that taxpayers don't really want to be funding two state-owned public weather forecasters and it adds a degree of confusion. You know, Met Service needs to be able to get clear messages out there when there's a, like a Cyclone Gabriel 
coming. And if Niwa is constantly in social media or, you know, radio or television, it, it must add confusion to some people. And who do I listen to? You know, so that's probably the biggest safety concern is in time of extreme weather, uh, it muddies the waters to have two state forecasters. Well, why do we have two? Well, Niwa set up Niwa Weather, it was called, in 2013. It never actually sought government approval to set up as a weather forecasting agency. That was 2013. Ironically, two years later, Niwa told Stephen Joyce, who was, you know, the, the Minister of Science and Innovation at the time, that it was, this is a quote, it was comfortable with the overlap with the Met Service, which, you know, I've always found quite ironic because it's like, well... <laughs> How does Met Service feel about it? You know, um, you're the new new kid in town. And then not long after that, Megan Woods, who was, you know, Stephen Joyce's successor, but, you know, the Labour minister, she said that Niwa had not had to get uh, ministerial approval because it was an operational decision to, to go into forecasting, which... It's quite amazing because then you end up with these two government agencies, you know, paid for by the taxpayer, sort of just butting heads, basically. And butt heads they do. The two often have different forecasts for the same day and place. Niwa forecasters regularly appear on the news for serious weather events. People might know the voice of Niwa's Chris Brandolino. During Cyclone Gabrielle coverage, he became something of a weather superstar. That weather system is going to act like a magnet, and that's going to help kind of draw and make that right-hand turn south toward Aotearoa, New Zealand. So that's the track, Maddie. And that's despite Met Service, not Niwa, being the official government information source during emergencies. Even the Minister for State-Owned Enterprises, Duncan Webb, admits the relationship between the two agencies has been, well, stormy. Oh, oh, look, they're going to have rumbles between each other within a family. There's, there's some tensions in the relationship. Um, that's been well recognised and commented on by others, but that's why we're having a review. And Paul tells me the two government agencies even beef publicly on social media. There have been occasions where, you know, especially if you follow them on Twitter or, you know, Facebook or whatever, and they'll say, oh, you know, Westport had its highest ever temperature today and then you'll actually find Met Service will be tweeting saying well actually no it didn't you know your record's only five years long ours has been going for a hundred you know that so there's there's a lot of confusion it's kind of you know um, almost diluting the power of having all these weather records which is what policy and infrastructure and people's lives are, are based on having you know really robust information there's still got to be room for confusion in there and you know you don't want any confusion when people's lives and, and livelihoods are on the line. Niwa and Met Service were originally one entity the meteorological service but they were split up in 1992 under Jim Bolger's national government. Yeah it was always very clear that one was to deal with day-to-day operational forecasting and the other one was taking on the research focus. I mean, I think a lot of the books in the old Met Service library, you know, went to Niwa or they had to decide which one was going to, which would go to Met Service, which would go to Niwa. So it was quite a difficult split, but but it seemed quite a clear-cut distinction. And yet at some stage, Niwa sort of said on the record that weather forecasting had always been part of its game. Um, But that's actually not, you know, that that was not the original intention. 
So how have they come to this point where they're competing with each other? I know. Well, because no one's done anything about it, basically. The day's weather forecast. Tomorrow does not look too gay. And we have decided to give you a preview of tomorrow's weather. There is a storm moving to the North Island. There's been questions raised about this, especially by some of the private weather companies. A very, very difficult job uh, in New Zealand because we've also got some of the most restrictive policies when it comes to accessing weather data. Because So you need the data to be able to make the forecast. Supercomputer that's paid for by the public but NIWA's now weaponized that as, a, as an asset um, to make money. And they block us from being able to use it unless we want to pay them a few million dollars, which is ridiculous. There was a report done about five or six years ago which said that, you know, uh, access, open access to weather data in New Zealand was basically almost non-existent. You know, like it, you had to pay a lot of money if you want to get data. And What's ironic about that is a lot of this weather data that NIWA now holds was collected by the members of the public over the years. You know, people who kept, you know, had a rain gauge in their garden, you know, and they read it every day for 50 years, you know, all that kind of mm. information. Uh, and yet, if, if as a, a weather writer or what a researcher, you want that data, you have to go to NIWA and pay quite a lot of money for it. Some time ago, I wanted to do a, a story in a, a, a tornado in Christchurch about 40 years ago, and I went to Niwa to ask for that data, and it was going to cost me $800 for a page of data. Wow. Um, which was, I just, okay, fine, I won't, I won't write that story after all. So MetService is a state-owned enterprise, and mm. Niwa is a Crown Research Institute, so they're both mm. trying, they're government-funded, but they're both trying to make money. Yeah. I also notice on the Met Service website, which must get hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of of views each day, mm. um, because it is the kind of civilian go-to for mm. weather forecasting, and that's what yeah. the government's recommending anyway. But yeah, yeah. on their website, you get reminded that they are uh, uh, they have financial goals to meet. They've got um, a tradie forecast, which is sponsored yeah. by placemakers, and they've yes. got uh, a laundry drying time forecast, mini forecast, and that's brought to you by Harvey Norman. <laughs> yes, that's interesting, isn't it? I think the commercial imperatives to make money are probably, uh, well, a lot, a lot stronger on Met Service. I mean, as a CRI, uh, NIWA operates across a lot of fields and gets a lot of research funding, and so not quite sure what's in this for them. You know, like I mean, they will make a bit of money out of it, but whether it's kind of a profile raising exercise or what, but any attempts at collaboration between the two agencies uh, have been fraught because even if they've wanted to do that, they operate under different, you know, law, you know, like they're, they're different sort of state entities or crown entities. Um, and there's all these, you know, anti-competitive laws. And um, I mean, if Metservice and Niwa does, agreed to do something together, then that potentially could be like, is it cartel-type behaviour, mm, you know, for mm. any of the private companies that are trying to do things. So it's actually not just Niwa's fault or, or Metsu's fault. I mean, it is the way it's all been been set up. And what seemed like a good idea 30-odd years ago, you know, in the last 10 years, in the last five years especially, it's really, really gone pear-shaped, I think. That's something that hopefully the review is going to, <laughs> going to sort out and look at, well... Actually, you know, what is best for the country? 
And now we look at the prospects for the weather and we say good morning to the forecaster. Good morning. For Northland, Auckland, Waikato, Waitomo, the Bay of Plenty Rotorua, Taupo and Tamaranui. A big part of the review will be looking at clear public communication. The way things are currently, if another big storm like Cyclone Gabrielle were to make its way here, there's a risk our two state forecasters could make two different predictions. And this is dangerous stuff when a government agency is usurping the power of of our official warnings provider during storms, which they've done. When the chips are down and the water is rising, people want to know who the go-to is. I wonder, can you explain... How are they using arguably the same data and coming out with different predictions? Um, <clears throat> so, so basically, uh, most of the forecasting these days is based on computer modelling, and there are there are various different models around the world. They take all the data, surface weather observations, all the upper air observations that are you know taken with the balloon ascents, and and they kind of slice up the atmosphere into sort of a horizontal and vertical cross-section and then they kind of run that ahead on with various different models I mean incredibly complicated maths to see where things will be this time tomorrow this time in three days time you know whatever so every model will come out with a slightly different endpoint so you know there might be a model today saying there's going to be a big southerly next Wednesday. That might be the the European model, which is used a lot. But if you look at the American model, it might be saying, oh, it's going to be a southerly, but actually it's going to be Thursday and it's not going to bring snow to low levels like the other model is saying. You know, so so they, they, they all get probably a very, the weather kind of broadly right, but it's the detail that is often quite different. And of course, that's what you notice when you're walking down the street is the detail of the weather on you, how it's affecting you at the time. So then basically it's down to the forecaster to look at all of these different models and decide you know, actually um, interpret them uh, into the, you know, cloudy with afternoon showers. Right. So there's, <laughs> a, like there's a person looking at the data and Definitely. making yeah. calls. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot It's a lot more accurate than it used to be. And yet, really interesting, I, I fascinated, there was a big snowstorm in Dunedin way before my time, thank you very much, in July 1939. But I'm, I managed to find all these old forecasts and... The language they were using in these forecasts was still very much the same as today. It was talking about yeah, more more showers of snow to low levels. And I thought, well, you now have all this amazing technology that helps you with the forecast. But in the end, you still have to distill it down to that basic sentence that the everyday person can understand. To find out a bit more about this process of distilling information down, I tracked down an expert. Hello. Hi, Mum. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm good, love. I'm known to me as Mum, better known to others as TV weather presenter Rose Daly. I started in 1995 and I left in 2002. And you were doing that for TV3? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was a six o'clock news weekdays. Then I did weekends once they uh, they hired Augie Hour from the Met Service to uh, to do the weekday thing. So I shared the bill with him. So you or TV3 would get it from Met Service. That's right. Yes, we would pay them money for the um, for the service. Yeah. And you weren't trained as a meteorologist. No way, I wasn't. No, no, I was a presenter. So, like any good journo, you get your information and you put it into a palatable form and and make make sure it makes sense to the audience. But by the time you left off, you probably understood the weather really, really well. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've got. I've, 
really quite appreciate actually my time there learning all about that. I, I did a crash course with the Met Service initially um, over a couple of days, a really fast crash course, just you know to familiarise myself with the usual features and terminology. But um, yeah, apart from that, I, I just relied on Met Service providing me with the information every day. Right, so, so they would send you what, just raw data, or would they send you exactly what to say? Well, they would send me their version of what I should say, um, and it was, you know, fax machine, um, pieces of paper being spat out at 3pm. The language that the information came to me in was quite dry, so I, I'd, I'd add a little bit of colour and a little bit of nuance whenever I could. So they might have said, um, you know, scattered showers for Auckland this afternoon, and um, and I would probably reference the rainforest, the Waitakere, just add a little bit of spice to it. Was the data that they ever sent you ever really, like, wildly wrong? Would people get quite annoyed? Well, I would say that they erred on the side of caution. I think they still do to some degree, um, because when you look out your window and they're saying, well, you know, sorry about the drizzle, and you're looking at blue skies, you're thinking, huh? <laughs> so um, so every now and again I would tweak the information to to match what I observed personally, or um, I would call someone down country and ask them, how's it going down there, what's it looking like? So, um, yeah, I, I did have a little bit of uh, interference going on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've heard it said that weather forecasting is 80% science and 20% art. Ah, well, you'd have to ask a meteorologist that, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I do know that when the Met Service produce their forecasts, they used to, I don't know if they still do, they have a session called nodding. And so they all sit around the office room and one, the chief forecaster, I imagine, gives their version of what they think is going to happen and everyone else in the circle nods, you know. So, so I don't know that that's terribly scientific, but, um, but that was the way they did it then. We're an island nation, and so the weather's constantly changing, so it's very difficult, I think, to, to be 100% accurate. We're sort of plumb dunk in the middle, really, of all these uh, amazing weather systems. So they can look a couple of days out with reasonable accuracy, um, but it takes some real science to, to make the longer-term predictions. I'm sure you'll find most um, businesses that have anything weather-related or affected by would keep a keen eye on, on the forecast. Good morning. A cold front which gave rain to many areas yesterday now lies to the east of the country. An anticyclone over the central Tasman Sea is... Yeah, New Zealand weather is really incredibly difficult. <laughs> very, very difficult. I mean, you know, stuck out here, uh, ocean all around... Mountains from the northeast tip to the southwest tip, a little gap in the middle. Uh, I mean, it's just the wind howling across somewhere most of the time. It, it really is. If you, if you sat and thought, OK, I'm going to design a country uh, that's going to be a real challenge for weather forecasting, you know, this, this would be it, really. <laughs> <laughs> Having an accurate forecast is really important for a lot of different types of people. It's not just the public safety dimension. Oh, gosh, There's, yeah. well, farming is hugely dependent on what the weather's going to do. Tourism. Uh, Absolutely. Construction even, down to whether you can... Yeah. Um, Aviation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and and generally, I mean, the figures that you that you, you see used, the, the, the forecasts are generally about 85 to 90% accurate. But I, I know that Met Service do monitor how accurate their warnings 
were, uh, and also like a false alarm ratio, you know, of, of how many times they got it wrong. We checked this out in MetService's 2022 annual report. 95% of heavy rain events that happened that year were detected by MetService through a heavy rain warning. But 19% of heavy rain warnings MetService issued overall didn't result in any heavy rain events, so they cried wolf a few times too. But there's something else in their annual report. They say when their severe weather warning system was designed, they anticipated just one or two major events each year. But in the 21-22 fiscal year alone, they forecasted five red level warnings across the Motu, the most serious alert level. And in 2023, they've issued another five. There is there is one issue, and, and it's something that I think this review probably needs to look at, is the fact that with a warmer atmosphere, you know, with, with um, climate change, there's so much more energy in the atmosphere than there was. And a lot of these computer models are struggling to predict as accurately when we get something like, a, you know, Cyclone Gabriel or even maybe the Auckland floods, you know, the anniversary day floods. I mean, that was that was a huge, such a huge event for Auckland. And yet if you look at how, you know, get a map of New Zealand, the, the area it affected was, you know, really, really small. And so a computer model can't necessarily pinpoint with that degree of accuracy. And, and we're getting these kind of severe weather events that are hitting a very localised area that these models are unable to actually predict. Our weather is changing and the way it's forecasted and measured is changing as well. There's going to have to be a whole new suite of computer models and ways of forecasting in the future to deal with that as things get worse, sorry to say. That's quite scary. I guess that's yeah. why the government's thinking these people should be working together. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think there's a couple of, or a few options as to how things go if if this review goes ahead. And I'm actually quite confident from reading the documents that they're serious about getting this right, which is great. You know, they could either say, Niwa, you go back to doing what you're meant to do, or MetService, you can have Niwa's forecasting arm, you know, roll it into your operation. And then down the track, I think they just need to look at something totally different, like maybe a new agency that really just focuses on the severe weather, you know, um, weather events and, and the impacts, the flooding, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I had a quick look at the terms of reference for this review. One of the sentences that, that stuck in my mind was that it said the the traditional kind of line in the sand between what climate is, you know, that longer term view, um, and what weather is, is actually becoming increasingly irrelevant because, you know, we're, we're no longer having storms that are one in 50 years or one in 100 years. I mean, they're happening a couple of times a decade, you know, or we shouldn't maybe be splitting things up to have one agency dealing with climate, which was traditionally newer, and one to do with weather, you know, which is met service. So I think there are some different options as to what actually could happen if there's a brave enough government next year when the review reports. And it's time for a look at the probable weather in the short term. Here's James Travers. Good morning. A situation this morning. An anticyclone remains slow moving just east of the Chathams with its associated ridge of high pressure extending over New Zealand. A cloudy northeast flow covers the country.
That's it for today. I'm Bonnie Harrison. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Alexia Russell. And thanks to Paul Gorman and my mum, Rose Daly. Ka kite anō.